Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's guest is Neil Herbert, who's the chairman of Atlanta Lithium, a junior miner um, and looking to develop Ghanaian, uh, sorry, Ghana's first lithium producing mine and targeting first production in 2024. Uh, Neil's an experienced advisor uh, and investor in leading growth companies from startup through IPO uh, and development and during his career, um, has been involved in a, a number of mining companies in Africa. Um, Neil's going to talk to us, uh, talk to us through uh, Atlanta Lithium um, and how how they're going to um, obviously become one of Ghanaian's first lithium mines. So that's welcome, Neil, to the podcast. How are you doing, Neil? I'm very well, Rob. Good to be here. Yeah, and I appreciate your time as well. Um, so just wondered if you can give our audience um, a little bit of background about yourself. Obviously, I just briefly covered it there but wondering if you can tell the audience a little bit about yourself so um they know a little bit about your background and your career yeah happy to do so so uh, my background is financial so i well i'm i'm getting a little old but i originally trained as an accountant with pwc uh it was a long time ago but i've worked in the mining industry for the best part of 25 years so i started with antivigasta we built the um well the, the game-changing los palambras mine uh, during my watch with the company and obviously that propelled the company from being you know a 200 million dollar company into what it is today a 20 billion dollar company so um that was a very successful uh, project i following that i was a cfo of one of london's early aim successes which was branco holdings so that got sold in 2002 and it was for 368 million dollars if my memory serves me well i went on to work with an investment group uh, with jim slater called galahad gold um, which had a number of very good projects in it. But the one that I was designated to look after was uh, a startup uranium project, um, which became Euromin, and I became the finance director of it, listed in London, listed on the TSX, and later it sold on to uh, for $2.5 billion. So as our investment was $25 million, um, on a for 26% of the company, it was, a, it was a very successful story and a very high return. Uh, following that, I was managing director and co-chairman of uh, another investment house in London called Polar Resources, focused a lot in the uh, the industrial segment and so principally uranium again, and uh, had a very successful run there. So I think we paid out uh, dividends around $200 million during my my time as uh, as the managing director. So a very good run. Um, I came into this company. Uh, I joined the board on its listing, um, worked very closely with uh, its founder, Vincent Moscolo, who sadly passed away earlier in the year. Um, and the projects have come uh, thick and fast. We've looked at a number of projects over the years uh, until we identified a warrior. And a warrior is just an exceptional opportunity in lithium. So we've had a very successful exploration program on it. And as many people will probably already know, it's a, a very well-situated all-spodumene project in Ghana. Um, we've already have a resource of 30 million tons. We have put in our application for a mining license, and we're in the process of building up our team under uh, Keith Muller, who's the COO for the mining of that project. Okay, um, so just wonder if you can just tell us a little bit more about the Iwaya 
project and hopefully i'll pronounce that correctly yeah a warrior is a it is a very good project and you know this is one of those those good fortunes in life is that there's a lot of uh, other lithium projects in africa um a warrior is exceptional in that it's an all spodumene project so if there's a holy grail here in in hard rock lithium projects you would like to have spodumene because it's uh the most desirable in terms of the recoveries it's what the converters prefer um so all of the chinese converters indeed the western ones being built would would prefer an all spodumene product um it's better for their kilns it's better in terms of impurities later in terms of the into the batteries which actually affects performance so it's that's a very nice project and that's probably the only one in in africa that i know that's all spodumene um it also is very well situated in terms of closeness to port so we're 110 kilometers from uh, a port in ghana which is uh, an established mining port so it already has all the infrastructure in place um very good road networks and we have available power um i often say about this project what i really like about it in my 25 years in mining and i've worked on some cracking projects really have but this is the simplest project i've ever worked on it's a very simple process flow sheet to be able to take it to production um which is a is a real bonus when you're when you're trying to get a mine to production on a reasonable timeline how different is operating in africa compared to australia where you've obviously um done a lot of work Yeah and so I mean it really depends where you are in Africa as to what you have and um you know it would be uh wrong for me to say that one country is like another in Africa because it's truly not the case um Ghana is is I suppose one of the longest established mining jurisdictions in Africa so there's a long history in gold mining um and so that goes back all the way until before independence of the country um and as a result of which we in many ways really are a very Ghanaian com- uh, company because our staff are overwhelmingly Ghanaians and what the nice thing about working in Ghana is you you have a lot of knowledge both in government but also in terms of your your uh, the people working on the project with us um how highly qualified and experienced people are working in the mining sector and it, it's it's a it's a blessing i've worked in a number of jurisdictions across africa and some of them are, are better than others but it's it's very difficult to find fault with Ghana in terms of of what it has in terms of its tradition obviously australia is a very good jurisdiction um and we like to compare ourselves to the the australian projects because we think we have a number of similar attributes again all spodumene projects um there's a very good comparable we think of something which we aspire to to compare ourselves to which is core lithium um which has come to production So if you like they're a good 18 months ahead of us in terms of timeline it's a very similar project in terms of its characteristics it's you know it's uh, opex capex are similar um and they currently have a market capitalization of around five times our market capitalization so we're about 300 million sterling today and the market capitalization of of core lithium is 1.5 billion sterling today more or less so it's it that's it gives an idea of of what can be achieved as we go through the hurdles towards mining yeah how's the ghanaian mining industry sort of taken taken to you as you mentioned they are i suppose more well known for obviously gold production um and you're obviously in lithium that how how they uh, sort of taken to to you it's it, it's it's been very pleasant um talking to the ministry and indeed the reaction we're getting in country because obviously the country has uh, a long established tradition in gold mining with a number of operating mines um but has been trying to diversify into other minerals and indeed and some uh, to some success in in several other minerals 
but they particularly welcomed the opportunity, as it were, to participate in what is the electric vehicle revolution by actually having a lithium mine. So we'll be going as first lithium mine was with the minister um, um, at the end of August. Um, very good meeting, obviously very keen that we move the project forward. I know he'll be very happy to have received their mining application last month, um, which is a big step forward for us as we move the project. So well, in an ideal world, what we'd like to see is uh, that mining license being approved as it's evaluated over the next year, and they have all their approvals in place by around the end of the, the, end of the third quarter next year so that we can break ground on the project by the end of next year. How are you uh, managing the, the transition from um, a pure explorer uh, into a new uh, near-term producer? It certainly creates its challenges, and I've had this with companies before. I mean, the great thing about Atlantic is that it was a very successful, successful explorer. Um, I mean, a very good team of people who have worked on the project all along um, and indeed on our other projects. But it's, it's very rewarding when that comes to a project that you can definitively take to production with a, you know low capex, low opex characteristics that the warrior has. Um, but we obviously need to transform the team. So we continue to explore on the project. And indeed, the resource just gets bigger and bigger. Um, we increased it from 20 million tons to 30 million tons already this year. Uh, we've just done a, um, a whole series of of further drilling, both to increase the resource, but also to um, a greater category of certainty to move it up to reserves for the mine plan. So we're probably at another 5 million uh, tonnes or so before the end of the year is my hope. Um, but you could see that the project could potentially get bigger. So we still have work for our exploration team. But as I said earlier, what's very important to us now is the project build team and indeed the mining team coming in. Um, a very important appointment for us was the appointment of an experienced lithium miner uh, as our COO, uh, which we announced a couple of weeks ago, and we're delighted to have him on board. Um, you obviously we've we've mentioned Ghana as a sort of a long history in in mining. Um, what would you say from your perspective? What makes Ghana an attractive mining destination for I suppose people that haven't worked in Ghana previously? I think that the advantages of of Ghana are, are is the advantage of experience, but it's also um, a very prosperous West African nation, nation and one of the most prosperous in Africa. Um, so we're looking at, at relatively you know, high standards. So there are high standards of bars in terms of the you know, the compliance that we have to achieve to be able to take the mine production as it should be. Um, so I think that gives a lot of reassurance because they have so much experience on that front. Um, it also, uh, it comes back to comments previously, I think they have three or four uh different universities that provide people into the mining industry. Um, the depth of experience of those people is, is very good. Um, we have um, electricity on call. So actually the, the pylons run through the center of our project today. Uh, that all originates in hydropower. We're very close to the main highway, which is a, a, a tarred road, which would take us to port. So that's 110 kilometers, as I think I mentioned again earlier. And it goes to a port that is that has all the infrastructure for for mining export. So it's because you've got an awful lot of things going for it, and obviously it's one of Africa's most stable democracies as well. So we're delighted to be working there. Um, we think it's a particularly good jurisdiction. Um, uh, I've worked, as I say, across Africa, but I would say that one of the most deeply experienced countries in mining is is indeed um, Ghana. So it's difficult to fault it, really. Yeah. Um, how do you see, the, obviously, the lithium demand and lithium supply um, and also, I suppose, lithium um, pricing 
charging over the obviously coming years? So it's a it's a it's a very good question. Um, I I was actually looking today at the Macquarie's latest research. So Macquarie Bank have put out an updated research which follows a theme. Um, they're upgrading their their price estimates for lithium because it's supply constrained. And so if you want to stand back from it, you've got obviously a once in a hundred year event in terms of changing technologies here. So this is the move from the internal combustion engine over to electric vehicles. And what that means in terms of demand is an enormous increase in demand for lithium over the next decade. Um, and to give you some examples, um, there's a, a chap called uh, Sanson, an ex-FT um, uh, commentator who wrote a book called Vault Rush. Uh, he's estimating you need 70 new, new lithium mines in the next decade. Uh, an estimate from Benchmark Minerals is 59 new mines. Um, what all this means, however, is that you, you just can't bring on enough mines quickly enough. Bringing on mines, obviously, is a is a difficult and time-consuming process. So any new mines that are relatively straightforward to bring forward on a short-term timeline are particularly welcome. So Awoya, I think, fits in very nicely into that with first production in 2024. So um, as I mentioned, the Macquarie estimates, I think they they put them out today. Um, they're now forecasting that they they think that the the price of 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 lithium will you know on individual sales will peak as much as eight and a half thousand. If you look at the operating cost estimated for a warrior, I think uh, with two hundred and eighty four dollars. So um, you can see this fabulous returns that are available for for the few mines that will be able to bring production forward on a timely basis. And I was just looking through you know their estimates and effectively that they they estimate there'll be a deficit. In the supply of lithium for the rest of the, the decade, obviously the present the penetration of electric vehicles is increasing sharply. And interestingly enough, they they estimate that actually China will overtake Europe in terms of its penetration of, of EV vehicles for uh, over over um, the traditional combustion engine. Um, how important has it been for you and obviously the company um, securing the offtake and financing deal with uh, Piedmont? I think the Piedmont deal gave us an awful lot of stability. So for those who, who don't know Piedmont, Piedmont is building two hydroxide plants in North America. Um, and there's obviously an, an increasing rush in in Europe and indeed in North America to build their own hydroxide plants because China currently dominates that sector completely. Um, they obviously need feedstock. So they came to us about two years ago. Um, with the intention of securing that feedstock. So what we did was we entered into an agreement with them um, whereby they earn into 50% of the project, providing, I think it's a little bit over $100 million in total for financing. Um, and they also buy uh, the spodumene product for us at market rates. So you know that, those are entirely commercial rates. So that's a that's a very good deal for us in terms of it. It secured um, like a, uh, an anchor. In terms of people obviously often worry about financing of the project. That gave us an awful lot of financing. So um, they provide 70 million of the 100 million towards CapEx. And obviously, any additional overruns over that, they would pay for half of those and we would pay for the other half. Um, we do have potentially other sources of financing. I'm not expecting to go back to the market you know, um, to, to raise money. We do have one potential investor in Ghana, which is the Sovereign Wealth Fund that's been talking to us for some time, which may invest. And we would like to see them on board because we think we'd be good to have that local participation in the project. Um, the other one is, is the other 50% of our offtake is currently unencumbered. So we are 
inundated with people interested in taking that 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 spodumene um, off our hands in the future. And, and you've seen some very attractive financing deals around that. So I do expect that to be you know, a good deal when eventually we announce it. Um, we're no particular hurry to do so. I would imagine we will we'll come to those terms by the middle of next year. Yeah. And what's the outlook for the company and the project over the say next six to 12 months? Well, we're in the process of a, a major transformation, to be honest. Um, obviously, we were an exploration company. Um, if you're looking at the next six to 12 months, by you know 12 months from now, we'll be looking to break ground on the project and we'll be within a year from taking the project to production. So that's an entirely different company to which, to which we were, say, at the beginning of this year. So it's a fundamental change in what's going on. However, the good news is, is that as I said before, this is one of the simplest projects I've seen in 25 years, which makes uh, it for a, a relatively straightforward task of taking it to production. Um, very simple um, operating and processing. In terms of the, the personnel, we're in the process of making those changes now. So we have a project team which is focused on the development and indeed bringing in people with the mining experience that we need. So it's a big transformation, but it's one very manageable and, and something that I've gone through previously in my career. Yeah. Neil, really appreciate your time in uh, obviously telling us more, telling us about the company. And obviously, it looks like you're going to be the first, obviously, lithium miner in Ghana. Um, so obviously, wish you well uh, for, the, for the next year or two years and, and beyond. Um, obviously, like you mentioned, it's a great jurisdiction to develop a, develop a, a new mine, especially in a new commodity that's, I suppose, new to the country. Um, if our audience wants to reach out to you, if they've got any questions, um, how can I go about doing that? Are you across any social media platforms? Oh, we are. So you can contact the company. We, you know, we actually um, we are on Twitter. Um, we're on other social media platforms. And indeed, um, you can reach out to us. We will be um, at Minds and Money event uh, in December here in, in London. So um, we look forward to hopefully meeting up with investors and talking to them as we go on. Yes, certainly. Uh, and those that are wanting to attend the Minds and Money event, um, if you look at the show notes of Companies Podcast, um, there is a discount on tickets as well. So please be sure to um, to get your tickets and get them as soon as possible. And obviously, if you want to uh, ask Neil any questions, obviously you can meet him in person uh, at the event. Neil, really appreciate your time. Good luck for the uh, upcoming upcoming uh, year, rest of this year and into next year. Have a good uh, minds and money. Um, and yeah, good luck with the, the company and the project. Thank you, Rob. Yeah, thank you. And those who are listening, really appreciate your continued support. Um, please share this episode amongst others in the industry, um, whether you're listening to this in Ghana, whether you listen to this in Canada, South America, please keep sharing uh, the episodes um, so we can obviously um, educate the mining industry um, and the mining community um, across, across the world. So until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.